Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Do you like having posters and supporting your favorite athletes? Well, the Athletic Collection gives you a chance to do that with the best posters in the game. They have many different teams with many different sports. Myself as an LSU fan, I just got myself LSU baseball, LSU gymnastics, and LSU soccer posters to put up in the man cave. So get your posters today at the Athletic Collection, which you can find on Instagram and Twitter. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's Wednesday, and that means we are back again with the In Off the Bench podcast. I'm Daniel Boss. I got my brother from another mother, Jim Cross, right here with me, and we're ready to get into episode 24 titled Paging Dr. Sabacool, because we got the doctor himself in the house. Maryland Terrapin baseball star Jason Sabacool is joining us. Jim, I don't know about you, man. I, I got to ask. This is a big episode because it's the first time we're having Big Ten on. Absolutely, man. I'm stoked. Ready? Let's do it. You can hear it in his voice. He can't wait. He's excited. He's ready to get through it. So help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week. Maryland baseball star, Jason the Doctor Savakul. All right, my man Jason, welcome to the show. How are we doing tonight? Doing well, doing well. How about yourself? Man, dude, we're blessed. This is the first time we have had a Maryland Terrapin on the show, and not just a Maryland Terrapin, but one that can absolutely deal. But before we get into baseball, before we get into your story, man, we always do Icebreaker. We find out a little bit about you off the diamond. So, you know, let's start right now. What is your favorite song right now? What What's hitting? Um. I think it's got to be Grown Man by Polo G. Just came out the other day. I'm a big Polo G fan. So you're ahead of me because I ain't heard that. You said it just came out and that might be why. So, Daniel, yeah. write it down. Take a note. I need to hear it ASAP after this episode. I, I had to write it down. I don't even know who the hell Polo G is. <laughs> I've, never even, I've never even heard of Polo G. But we're, we're old too. It's, it might, it might be, is, is he a younger cat? Yeah, yeah, younger guy. It's, it's, it's all right, Daniel, man. We old, man. We we still listen <laughs> to that 90s rap. It's all good. No, nah, I got you. All right, so got to know, man. This is an important question to me. Favorite baseball movie of all time? Uh, I'm going to go with The Natural. I think that's Ooh. that's definitely my favorite. That's probably yeah. a different one than you might have heard if you ask other guys the same well, question. Well, it's, it's not that it's just as different. When we do polls and stuff on social media, obviously the older crowd, you'll get some natural, but you don't usually yeah. get the younger guys. So I'm impressed. That that tells me you're a real student of the game for sure. Oh, for sure. All right. So I saw this. I think I know the answer to this, but you, I don't necessarily. It could have changed or it could have been something different early. Who was your favorite athlete growing up? Um, it was kind of two for me. Um, Mike Mussina was the main one for me that really appealed to me. I just liked the way that he competed on the mound all the time. You know, there's obviously the famous clips that are out there of him, you know, waving off Joe Torre saying, you're not coming out here to get me and stuff like that. Um, and I, I just love the competitive element that he had. I mean, to be a guy who wins 20 games in the last year of your career 
um, that shows something, you know, when you're kind of dwindling down the stretch and you're giving it all you have on your last, your last breath there in the majors and he wins 20 games. Um, and the other guy is Roy holiday. Um, you know, I'm a Yankees fan, but, um, also grew up watching a lot of Yankees versus Phillies battles, um, especially yeah. in the late two thousands. Um, and always watched Roy holiday, just absolutely deal. And he was, he was awesome to watch pitch all the time. So yeah, Jim, no. weren't, weren't we just talking about how good that Phillies team was? Yeah, because uh, I believe but it, it wasn't last episode, though. It was like a few episodes ago. Are you sure? Because I think Adam Cesare was a, a Phillies guy. He was, but for some reason, we it, it was before them. Yeah, but... no, somebody else was a big time. We, we've had a we've had a few guys who are watching the Phillies, even though, like he said, he's a Yankees fan. But yeah, no, um, the, the Phillies, they they uh, definitely were getting some attention by these guys growing up, rightfully so. Um, yeah. Well, with that, I got to know, and it may be a homer pick, being that you're a Yankees guy. I don't know. You know, MLB just started. I got to know, man. You have to pick today. Who who, who are you laying the money on to win the World Series? I got to go with my Yanks. I mean, there's no way I can say anything different. Um, otherwise, I'm not a true fan, right? So, I'm going to go with the Yankees. Uh, that's, I mean, I'm a Cardinals fan, and I'm not saying the Cardinals if I got to put my money on it. Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean – I don't know. If I were you, I'd say the Cardinals probably have a pretty which, good shot. Which, Daniel, can we can we discuss, you know, two-time guest Austin Riley. Um, he's never allowed back on the show after what he's done the last three games to our Cardinals. Like Yeah, he just he's like, you know what? Now's a good time to get hot. And hit 474 foot bombs. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. So I guess, you know, Jason. To start off the interview, man, we got to go to the beginning. So um, we always want to know a little bit about your hometown. So tell me about where you're from. Yeah, um, so I'm from Baldensville, New York, um, small town just outside of Syracuse, like 15 minutes outside of Syracuse. Um, you know, I always grew up playing a lot of different sports, um, but baseball was always the main one for me. You know, I grew up playing soccer, basketball, uh, lacrosse, um, stuff like that. Lacrosse is really, really big in my area. Um, around central New York, um, and just New York in general. I feel uh, like the whole the whole Northeast is huge into lacrosse. Yeah, it's a huge huge lacrosse area. Um, I actually grew up playing a lot of lacrosse, and eventually had to make a decision between baseball or lacrosse. What I was going to play in the spring. They only um, have it in the private schools here, so we don't we didn't get that luxury, unfortunately. Oh no, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, but I played I played travel lacrosse and travel baseball at the same time um pretty early on and then um decided to play baseball it was just always my first love um there's home videos of me watching baseball games in like my little high chair when i'm like two years old and just glued to the screen Um, how old were you when you started um let's see i started organized probably like as soon as you could get out of that high chair huh yeah pretty much Uh, organized baseball probably started when i was about four or five years old so I, I always like asking this question because I feel like like elite players, like, like you're an elite player. You play high-level Division One baseball. So I, I picture you playing T-ball and just absolutely just dominating kids. Is that, <laughs> is, is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was pretty good from a young age. Um, you know, I was always one of the best players in my area and everything. Um, but there were – two other kids that were pretty much just as good as me for a long time. Your um, brother, your brother. Uh, no, <laughs> my, <laughs> no, my, uh, my brother though, he he's, 
um, quite older than me. He's like seven years older than me. Um, so I always was competing with his friends when we were out, you know, playing sports in the yard and stuff like that. Um, so I was competing with people that are six, seven years older than me trying to play every, every sport pretty much, but we played a lot of baseball. And I think that's really where I kind of got good is, is competing with like guys who are seven years older than me. And then I'd go to travel ball. And when I was 10, I played 12 U baseball. Um, you know, I was always like two years above, um, what my age was in terms of where I played. So like, even when I was like, when I was 14, I was playing 18 U uh, travel I was playing 16 U travel. Um, not a lot of 14 U baseball. So um, just kind of prepared me all the way up. I was always playing people that were much older than me. Um, so it made me learn how to pitch because I threw pretty hard for a kid who was my age, but going two to four years ahead of me, I wasn't really throwing that hard. So um, kind of had to learn how to pitch and, and, you know, learn how to kind of dis- dissect hitters. So Absolutely. Jim, it's, it's, this is kind of a similar story, but different than some of the other athletes, because, you know, we get, you know, Oh, you know, at, I was playing at the age group above where I should have been because I wanted more competition, but you were playing with guys seven years older than you, you were playing <laughs> above and above the competition. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot to be said about even little things like going out in the backyard and playing catch with someone older or playing, you know, basketball or whatever it is. Like you're going to have to compete and kind of really prove yourself, you know, because if not, they're just going to manhandle you. Yeah. Um, But I got to ask, obviously, your your brother's older, Um, you know, maybe he played uh, baseball at Ithaca. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your father was a baseball player at Wake Forest and and Fairleigh Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Now, was there an option for you to do anything other than baseball, knowing like they were like your dad had it in his blood, and then your brother kind of followed, and now here you are? Or did did they kind of sit back and kind of let you do your own thing when it came to that? Yeah, they kind of just let me do my own thing. My dad actually tried to push me into as many sports as possible to kind of broaden my horizons and let me pick exactly what I wanted to do. Um, But, you know, I always saw my older brother playing baseball. Um, We always played baseball together, practiced together. We had a batting cage in my backyard. Used to hit together, throw together, things like that, um, especially during the summer. So um, I think it was just kind of a little bit ingrained in me, but I was definitely given the option to to play a lot of different sports and kind of choose on my own. So you, you play baseball as, as a kid, you do what you're, you, you're supposed to do. You work hard, you play above the level that you should be playing with. You're practicing and trying to, you know, hanging in there with your brother and all his friends, but eventually you, you make it to high school and you continue the the trend of, of playing sports. Uh, what high school was it that you attended? Uh, Baker High School. Uh, it's in Baldensville. It's also called Baldensville High School. Um, it's just a public school. Um, you big, know, for big school, small school. Um, it's a big school for New York. Yeah, we uh, graduate about four hundred fifty a class, um, and it's at the highest level of of baseball in new york so the class system is it's like double a a b c d and we played in double a um so pretty decent decent sized high school but yeah um wasn't like it was like a baseball institution or like a prep school or something like that like like i you know i've heard a lot of guys especially um down south have, have 
it's a lot more private baseball and stuff like that. But um, yeah, for me, it was just public school and and uh, go from there. You you say it like it's like it's not a big deal, but let me tell you something, man. You you amassed a seventeen and three career record on the mound. You had eleven complete games, four shutouts, two saves, and one no hitter. You tossed a career one hundred and fifty six innings with an ERA of one point three four, which is just unbelievable to me. You were named the twenty nineteen twenty twenty New York State Gatorade Baseball Player of the Year. I ain't never been player of anything. Uh, I ain't been player of the day, week. Month. I, I don't know. Wiffle ball, you was killing it back in the day. Uh, that's pretty good. It's a wiffle ball now. Uh, you, you earned first team perfect game All-American honors in 2018 and 19. You received first team preseason All-American honors under uh, with Under Armour, Baseball America, and Perfect Game in 18 and 19 as well. You were named to the 20-man roster for Team USA 18U national team won two perfect game national championships with Canes Nationals, uh, 17U, pitched at the MLB Showcase, East Coast Pro, and Area Code Games, and you were named to the first team and all Area Code team in those. Uh, Second-ranked pitching prospect and overall player in the state of New York per perfect game. Dude, like, that is impressive. When you hear somebody tell you all those things, does that mean anything to you, or it's just... I just took advantage of being really good at something and, you know, it is what it is. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know uh, I want all those things or whatever. Well, well, I'm going to tell you something. I cut your list in half. So my man didn't have to have an oxygen mask through, through the show. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I'm just a really big competitor. Um, a lot of the personal accolades and stuff like that, um, you know, don't mean a whole lot to me. But – um, what meant a whole lot to me is, especially at the high school level, was was winning with my high school team. Um, you know, we made it to the state championship my sophomore year. Um, you know, unfortunately, wasn't able to play my senior year, but we probably would have had a pretty good team then. Had a pretty good team my junior year. Um, ended up getting cut short in the playoffs, but um, you know, that's that's really for me what what I value is is the winning aspect of it and the the just the you know, being around a bunch of good baseball minds, um, just continuing to to learn, especially from all those events, like, you know, being able to play Team USA, um, you know, that whole summer went from 80 people to 40 people down to the final roster of 20. Um, and it was just really exciting to work with the the coaches that they brought in. Um, you know, one of my all-time favorite Yankees, Andy Pettit, was my pitching coach for three weeks. Um down in Florida at PDP, the PDP league. Um, so just getting all those experiences and getting to learn from you know some of the brightest baseball minds is, is really what I took from all that. Um, you know, like I said, I didn't even know all those accolades existed, but um, it is pretty cool to hear. Um, so I, I do appreciate you listening to that all because, you know, I don't think I've really heard it and took it all in before. Well, I, I got a few more for you, but they're not baseball related. They're ac they're academic related, and they're always worth noting. Um, you're a member of National Honor Society, Junior Honor Society, volunteered with Team Negu. That's uh, TJ Colette. Um, our our listeners are are very familiar with uh, that that organization. We had TJ on. What was it? What season was that? We had TJ on. It was like three or four. Yeah. Um, what a great dude, man. It, you know, 
solid, solid dude down to earth, um, great charity. So it's, it's impressive that not only do you get it done on the field, you get it done in the classroom. And by the way, outside of that, you're helping other people. Um, mm -hmm. Like you're, you're just like the total package, man. Um, appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's a tribute to you, hard work, success, and just probably a, a combination of you know, being surrounded by great parents and, and mm -hmm. the, the right, the right support system. But I want to get into your, your, your time with the Canes national and team USA national team. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, the Canes national, um, what, what was the benefit of, of being able to play with that organization? Yeah. Um, and, and I'll preface it. The reason I asked is because we got young listeners, high school kids that, you know, and, you know, adults and parents alike they the question is well what's the benefit of me playing for a travel team or a team like this or a national team so you know getting your perspective is, is kind of big for us to get the message out there so like what was the benefit of playing for Kane's national yeah i mean my time with Kane's national was was an awesome experience uh, jeff petty and all the guys over there are an awesome group um you know, for, for them specifically, uh, it's all about winning for them. Um, but that doesn't take apart from trying to, you know, kind of grow you as a, a player and a person kind of teaching you uh, how to handle yourself correctly. Um, you know, the right things to do on a baseball field and off, um, you know, coach Petty is, is, is an awesome guy, uh, tries to instill all the great values that, um, you know, my parents have tried to instill in me too. Um, and that's that's why I'm so grateful for my time with them. I I was only able to play two tournaments with them just because of all the surrounding events that were all around those tournaments and stuff like that. Um, but we were able to win both of them, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and just playing for a travel organization like that um, was a huge eye opener for me because it kind of showed me, um, you know, playing against the best competition and playing with a lot of guys that were really really good. That you know I got to continue to work harder. Um, you know, be better for the next year. Um, obviously the high school draft was rolling around the the following year. Um, and it kind of showed me where I stand a little bit, um, playing against that top level competition. Um, and just with travel teams in general, playing travel baseball, uh, all throughout my life, I played a lot of local travel baseball, um, with local teams, Baldensville Swarm, which is a, you know, local teams to my town, um, Syracuse Sports Zone, uh, which is around my area as well. Um, and it just kind of, you know, primed me to be ready to play high level baseball. Um, you know, also, it's just a great experience to to kind of travel and, and experience being with with the people, the players, the coaches, um, just on the road, you know, having fun playing baseball, uh, just kind of generating like a love for all of that, um, especially when you get to college, like you spend a lot of time on the road, especially, you know, for me being from a nor more northern school, um, you know, we spend the first out of the first six, eight weeks, we spend probably five of them on the road, if not more. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really huge to kind of, to kind of grow your, your love of the game on the road while traveling and stuff like that and kind of get that experience. Um, so, it's, yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to adapt in college to the grind. 
if you've mm-hmm. never never been in it yeah absolutely so i feel like that's one of the things when when i was coaching college baseball it freshmen and eat re, really just new to the school in general like the grind at which you have to be prepared for if you're never in that it's a very tough transition for you yeah yeah that's why i'm really thankful for especially my last year of travel baseball um because i was playing a lot of different events on top of that i was playing with canes um so i was on the you know the road nearly every weekend of the whole year uh, sometimes for weeks at a time um in different places you know california georgia things like that um so it was just a great experience for me to to kind of understand the grind of all that um whether that comes you know in college or professional baseball you're going to experience that grind of being on the road and and that's going to really teach you like do you love baseball or not um you know because if you're willing to to go through the travel and all that kind of stuff that that kind of sucks um then you're definitely in love with baseball like that's what it really taught me so you also you know talked about you know you got to be prepared you know for that grinding in professional baseball Mm -hmm. um you know when you had the opportunity to play with uh team usa national team you mentioned earlier that it started at 80 whittled itself down to 40 and then eventually to 20 um to me it seems like almost like like the movie major league in like a camp where you're getting red tags in your locker and you're like you're you go out and you, you do your thing and then then you know a week later you either make it or you don't and you survive and then you move on to the next phase and you either make it or you don't um that's got to be more like a pro pro baseball like setup than anything in my opinion yeah no absolutely i mean because you start out with 80 guys uh we went through you know my process is probably and, different than what it is now we're yeah. not talking about like 80 just guys that we're talking about invited guys that are really good yeah absolutely. like it's it's amazing like i mean i i kind of want to dig now for a second down. who jason uh just on i know you may hurt a feeling or two uh who's the best guy that made that 20-man roster in your opinion other than yourself of course <laughs> no i'm uh i'm gonna give that one to to robert hassel uh he's you know, was part of the Juan Soto trade now with the Nationals organization, um, outfielder. Um, you know, he he was just unbelievable. I think in our first – oh, yeah, I remember this one. In our first game against uh, South Africa, first game of the tournament, uh, we ended up winning like 16 to nothing or 16 to 1 or something like that. That was a pretty good game for us. But um, first at bat, Hassel just puts one over the light tower and we're all just sitting there like, oh, my God, this guy is just unbelievable. We had seen him do it the whole summer, and then he just started to cap off the summer. I think he was, like, you know, first team all tournament or something like that. I was in the conversation with player of the tournament. If we had ended up making uh, winning the gold medal game, he probably would have been player of the tournament. Um, so it was pro- probably that guy. He, he was he was awesome. He was an unbelievable player to watch. I want to know, who's, who's the best player that didn't make it? That didn't make it. That didn't uh, make the twenty man. Dylan Cruz. Oh, yeah. It was. That's your yeah. boy. Oh my god! It was. It was a. Uh, the best player in college baseball couldn't make it. Oh no, no, apparently not. Um, you know that year he had kind of had a down summer. 
Jason, uh, Jason, tell right. me, tell me you struck him out. I actually did. So, but not, yeah, not, not not then. Um, I struck him out when I was, I think I was fourteen or fifteen at a some perfect game event. I faced him one time in my career. Um, I threw him three sliders. So, you know, I I kind of babied out of that at bat a little bit. Didn't give him a fastball, but uh, <laughs> but got him out nonetheless. Um, but yeah, otherwise he was on my team for for all the USA stuff and and all that. So I didn't get to face him again, unfortunately. But. Yeah, no, he was definitely the best guy who didn't make it. Um, you know, he he had had kind of a down summer hitting wise. Um, he was actually on the team the year prior, um, but you could just tell, man, like that kid was the best player on the field every time he stepped on. Like, it was just not going his way for whatever reason at the time. And then I'm obviously you see what he's been doing in college, and everybody expected this. Um, from the guys that had seen him play, even when he was struggling a little bit more uh, before leading up to the high school draft, which is the reason why, you know, he kind of is in college, but yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's unbelievable. I couldn't believe that he didn't make the team back then. Yeah. It's uh, like I said, man, you got 80 of the best guys in the country, you know, vying for 20 spots and like, you're not ever going to be able to, you're gonna you're inevitably gonna miss on a few i mean it's just yeah. the nature of it but you know mm-hmm. no slight to dylan dylan's a great player um you know there's you you see him you see him you know what he's doing like he's, oh, yeah. he's killing it so um but i gotta i gotta ask um at what point in your this dominant career do you get the nickname the doctor uh, it's actually, I think it was about maybe midway through my freshman year. Sometime in my freshman year, um, started getting called this. It was from actually our hitting coach here at Maryland, uh, Coach Swope. Um, you know, I don't know what it was about a certain at bat or a certain inning or something like that. I think I struck out the side and I came back in and he just started calling me the doctor. Uh, I didn't know where it came from, but apparently it had been said before. Um, and he, he just said that the way that I surgically move through hitters uh, makes me the doctor. So that just ended up becoming my nickname, and, and it's stuck ever since. I'll give, you, I'll give you a little secret. Coaches have a list of nicknames. And when, one feel, when they feel like one fits the narrative, they're just throwing it out there. They're like, oh, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're, you're buzzy. You're, you're always up. You're always buzzing around. That's buzzy over there. And you you just became the doctor, so yeah. I, mean, I I'll say this. I mean, that's the the explanation behind it is pretty cool, and the the nickname itself. I mean, I like it. I don't. No, I like it. Too. I think there's 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 some there's some worse ones out there. I bet. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned getting the nickname at Maryland your freshman year. So let's let's get to the buildup of getting there. So obviously you have a, a great you know travel ball career a great high school career which you know inevitably puts you on college's radar so talk to me about the recruiting process was it a long list of teams to choose from or was it a short list and and how does it end up getting down to ultimately you choosing maryland yeah um so i first started talking to colleges when i was around 14 years old um there was a scout in my area, um, Tim Alexander, 
Um, still very close to them. He's he's with the Yankees. Uh, he's the, he's their Mid Atlantic scout. Um, but at the time, he helped kind of in my area. Um, he coached me in travel ball with the Syracuse Sports Zone during 13U, um, my 13U season, and then with my 14U season as well. Um, and he kind of threw my name out there to to some college coaches, um, mostly northeastern ones like um, St. John's, Boston College, places like that. Um, started to communicate with them kind of lightly at first. Um, you know, just every month or so they'd check in, hey, how you doing? How are things going? Um, that kind of thing. And then then I really kind of hit my development spurt. Um, you know, I was throwing about 76 at the time, um, which obviously not at that age. You know, at that age it's pretty good. Um, but wasn't super attractive to colleges at the time. But you know, my name had been thrown out there, so they were just kind of checking up as kind of a favor to Tim. Um and then I really worked my butt off. I first time I had ever gotten in the weight room was was that year uh, as I transitioned into my um, freshman year. Um, I went to Cressy Sports Performance, worked with Eric Cressy, um, again, at the recommendation of Tim Alexander. Um, so I, I owe him a lot of credit for for what I've been able to do, especially in my high school career, because um, he you know sent me there, um, set me up with a few college coaches and got my name kind of out there a little bit. I'll do a, uh, a cheap plug for Cressy. Yeah. <laughs> no, even, even in Florida, that guy, when it comes to conditioning, training, and preparing for baseball, he is the guy. Yeah. No, he's he's the best in the business. Um, you know, I worked with him for uh, more than a couple of years, probably four or five years. Um, and I'll probably end up working it again when I make it into professional baseball. Um, you know, he's an awesome guy. Um, he also, he's an awesome guy because I was a 14 year old kid, super scrawny, you know, probably didn't look that good. Uh, I was not really that tall at the time. I was just kind of some scrawny long armed kid. And he took the time out of his day to, to work with me personally, um, write up my program personally, do my assessment personally. Uh, that's just the kind of guy and the kind of business that he runs. Uh, he does everything you know, himself, obviously with, you know, great coaches around him, but um, he kind of has a hand in, in everything that is going on down there, which is, which is awesome. It's something you probably don't see at a lot of these, you know, kind of big, big strength places and stuff like that. So, um, you know, went to him really, really made a jump um, based off of that gained. I went from about 115 pounds to about 155, 150. So I gained good 35, 40 pounds in a year. Um, you know, growth spurt and, you know, getting my nutrition right for the first time in my life and lifting for the first time in my life really sparked me forward. Um, ended up hitting 87 miles per hour um, the summer after my freshman year. And that's when it really started to explode for me. Um, all the coaches that had known my name and checked in with me started checking in with me a lot more than once a month, uh, more like once or twice a week. Um was getting a lot of calls from different places. Names started to get around. Um, but overall, what brought me to Maryland was uh, Coach Corey Mascara was at St. John's. He was the pitching coach at St. John's at the time. Uh, we had been communicating, you know, little by little. He was one of the guys that, um, you know, Tim Alexander kind of threw me to. And uh, Coach Mascara then took the job at University of Maryland. And kind of one of the first things he did on the job was tell Coach Vaughn, our head coach, 
um, hey, go check out this guy at, at the PBR New York State games. Um, you know, we've heard, you know, he's pretty good from Tim Alexander, but haven't seen him yet. Um, and then I was, you know, sitting 84, 86, topping 87 there, throwing a good slider. And um, Coach Vaughn really liked what he saw. And, you know, it just kind of all exploded from there. Um, had a really good relationship with Coach Mascara growing um, throughout the, the next, you know, month or two. And then I eventually committed in, in early August to, to Maryland. Um, at that time, the, the list of schools that was were calling me was, was pretty expansive. Um, you know, it, it was probably about five to eight schools early in the summer. And then I hit that PBR New York State games and I hit 87 and it was getting posted everywhere. And then it started to become more like 20 to 25 schools that were really taking an interest in me. Um, but I kind of cut it short. Um, I, I'd always kind of liked the University of Maryland. I'd always kind of liked their sports teams a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm a big Syracuse guy, Syracuse Orange for life. But, um, you know, I'd always watch like Maryland basketball and things like that. Um, just because I was really interested in like college basketball and college football and things like that. Um, and then I came here to visit and it kind of just hit me right away. Like stepped on, on the campus and it was pretty instant that I was like, all right, yeah, I think this is where I want to go. Um, this just looks like the right fit for me. Uh, I like everything about this. I like the coaching staff. Um, and it was a pretty easy decision from there. Daniel, I want to be stripped of my name, the producer, because we had like five baseball guests in a row who told us they didn't fill out a March Madness bracket. And then the guy who says he's into college basketball comes on after it's over. <laughs> I, I, I dropped the ball on this one, dude. I should have done the research. We could have talked some college basketball with Jason. Instead, we got guys who say, I didn't fill out a bracket. I don't even know who's good. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> Jason. Jason, all off the topic for a second. What is life gonna be like for Syracuse basketball moving forward? Um, I think it's gonna be pretty good. I think there's kind of a young new energy that's kind of going into the program a little bit. Um, Coach Adrian Autry um, is a guy that's been around the Syracuse area for a while. Um, you know, his son. I played basketball against his son growing up. Um, so he's always kind of been around that area. And then obviously a guy like Jerry McNamara being uh, the associate head coach, you know, college legend, uh, one of my favorite players of all time, definitely my brother's favorite player of all time. He never shuts up about G Mac. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, I think there's a young new energy going into it. I think, um, we probably would have seen a lot of guys transfer if Bayheim had stayed around, but, uh, I think a lot of guys are sticking, sticking with it and some new recruits are, are sticking with it too. Um, you know, cause we got this young kind of new energy rolling through and Autry has done most of the recruiting for the past five years or so. So, you know, all, all of that is, is with him. He knows what's going on. So. Yeah. We're, we're obviously you see the Memphis uh, flag behind him. We're a big Memphis Tigers basketball fans. Got Penny Hardaway, obviously bringing in big time recruits. So, um, we really, we really, uh, we dropped the ball, especially when you look at the run um, that the team that uh, we got cheated by the refs on, uh, you know, made it to the final four, but it's all good. <laughs> um, moving to moving back to baseball, but uh, you know, you're from New York, you go to Maryland. Is there any nerves? Uh, like, you know, what are the emotions like? I mean, you're leaving home, but it is a place that you said you wanted to go. So, I mean, are you, are you super nervous? Are you super excited? What's going on? 
Yeah, no, I was super excited to to come play college baseball. Um, you know, like you guys mentioned earlier, my brother played four years at Ithaca College. Um, you know, I had, you know, it's pretty close to me. It's like an hour, 15 away. So, you know, throughout, you know, middle school, going into high school, I always went to his games all the time, saw what college baseball was all about and kind of fell in love with it. Um, started watching a lot of college baseball on my own too, you know, high level D1 college baseball and, and just fell in love with, with the emotion that was shown, how much everybody cared um, every single game. You know, I, I really love Major League Baseball. I watch a lot of Major League Baseball. I probably watch 100 to 200 games a year, um, Major League Baseball. Um, but what I really love about college baseball is the effort that is given all nine innings every single day. You know, obviously it's a shorter season. You got 55, 56 games, whatever it is in the regular season. Um, and, and guys go after it every single day, um, more than, than anything I've ever seen. Um, so it was really just, uh, an opportunity for me to kind of experience what, what I had seen my brother kind of go through, um, with his college baseball career and how much fun he had with it all the time. Um, so I was just really, really excited coming in and, you know, I had a lot of confidence in my abilities as well, that I could earn a, a good spot, um, and be where I wanted to be. Um, you know, I've been given a lot of confidence by what I was able to accomplish in high school, uh, especially on the summer circuit, playing a lot of really good competition. A lot of guys that were going SEC, ACC or got drafted that I was pitching really well against. So, um, you know, I really just believed in myself and, and wasn't really nervous. Obviously, it's a I'm, I'm a homebody, so it was a little tough for me to leave home and everything. But, um, you know, I, I was just really excited for the opportunity to to go experience college baseball and, and all its glory. Well, no doubt you had no trouble getting acclimated on a diamond. I mean, Big Ten, all freshman team. Um, your first start, you tossed a nine-inning complete game um, in your complete your debut, debut <laughs> against Michigan State. I mean, uh, you definitely didn't have any nerves. It, it showed. So, you know, from the gate, were you, were you locked in, man? You were open for business? I mean, I'm not going to lie. I don't remember any part of my first game because I think I blacked out the entire time. Um, but, no, I uh, I was definitely nervous before my first start, but I got settled in pretty quickly. Uh, a lot of ground balls early, which helped me out, helped keep the pitch count down so I could, you know, keep going all nine. But, um, yeah, no, I, I settled in pretty early. Um, was able to get my feet wet with a good outing to start, which obviously helps. Um, it's probably a lot tougher when – you walk into your first outing, get shelled, get pulled in the third, and then you have to recover some confidence from that. But you know, you know I, I've actually, you know, it's funny though because it can go either way. I've talked to a lot of different guys, not even just on the show, just at the, at the ballpark in general. Um, and young freshmen, they say sometimes it helps to get punched in the mouth early and get it over with. Because if you have a lot of success early, you don't know how to handle that first time you get punched in the mouth. And so, you know, it could go either way, but but it makes sense. But, I mean, you you came out rolling and, you know, don't want to spend too much time on the freshman season because I really want to get into the next two. But, mm -hmm. you know, you had a lot of great performances. Uh, you know, first question would be, you know, what was your probably favorite game that you had? And then also – I always want to know what did you take away the most from that freshman season? Cause it's always the most valuable learning season under your belt. Yeah. Um, I'd probably say the first one um, against Michigan state was probably my favorite of the whole year. Um, it was just awesome to, to get started on a good note. Um, you know, I had been performing pretty well throughout the fall and the preseason and stuff like that. Um, but you don't really know 
uh, as you know, outside of, of myself, as other players, you don't really know if this freshman is really going to succeed or not when the game comes. Um, I think that helped them get a lot of confidence in me early, um, which just made my my whole experience pretty pretty enjoyable because I was kind of getting pumped up by my teammates all the time, even when even when things weren't going so well towards the back half of the year. Um, you know, was was still getting the confidence from my teammates and and getting pumped up and saying, hey, like you know, we know you can do this, things like that. Um, the thing I'd say I learned the most from my freshman year was that I was not ready to endure the workload of college baseball. Um, as a freshman, I came in, I was probably 185 pounds, um, you know, six foot one, 185 pounds. You know, that doesn't really get it done when you're trying to throw 80 plus innings in a, in a college season, especially with the way that my body was, I wasn't in shape, um, as much as I needed to be It's pretty skinny. Um, so it really just taught me for the next year that, that I really, really got to put on some weight. Um, if I want to make it through the whole year, first of all, but also to keep improving myself and to keep improving my stuff. Um, you know, by the back half of the year, I was exhausted. Once I hit inning 60, I was pretty much dead. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a cyst growing on my right hand. My hamstring hurt all the time. My arm didn't really feel that great. And I was constantly tired. And I was like, all right, I think I need to gain some weight and get a little bit more physical so I can actually uh, – go through a whole college season. And that's what I did. Um, I stayed here at the University of Maryland all summer, um, decided to forego playing in the Cape Cod League because um, I needed to get my body right for the next year. Um, and I sat here with our new strength coach, Nathan Garza, who's uh, now with, with uh, the Cubs and their AAA. Um, he's an awesome guy. He was a huge piece of my development, so I just wanted to shout him out real quick. Um, he pushed me all the way from 185 pounds to 205 pounds so quick 20 pounds in the summer um obviously it wasn't easy um i was here all by myself none of my other teammates were here so and no other people were around so it was just me kind of in solitude constantly going to lift going to eat all the time um and i really just kind of put my head down and worked and and that's where you see the the production of the next year kind of kind of come into effect yeah, absolutely. Normally, I wouldn't break in with news like this, but since you said you're such a, ML, a big MLB fan, Daniel, I had an ESPN alert come across. You may have had it yourself. Shohei Itani is the first player ever, and of course, he's the only guy that is probably going to happen to anytime soon. Gets a pitch clock violation as a pitcher and a hitter. <laughs> Go ahead, Otani. Do what you want. I mean, do. I mean, I feel like he's like, I'm going to do this, and like he was just like, just went out and did it. I feel like that's very, very scripted of him. I love it though. He, he's fun to watch, but he ain't Dr. Savicool. Cool. <laughs> but uh no, so the thing I gotta ask one last thing about uh freshman season, y'all obviously your season ended in the Greenville Regional, man. I have seen the videos. It's one of the only environments that I have on my list in college baseball that I haven't been to yet that I really want to go to. Just man, how crazy is it playing in the postseason in the jungle, dude? Oh yeah. Now you got to go. You absolutely have to go. Um, I want to go back and experience that as a fan at some point in my life. Um, that was, it was awesome. Um, we played them. Uh, the first time we played them was in the, the regional championship game. Uh, we had come up from the losers bracket, uh, beat Norfolk state, beat Charlotte on a walk-off and then played ECU uh, after a long rain delay. And then it was still packed out. I mean, there were, there were people all the way in the jungle, all the way back. 
Um, I don't even think half the people could see, but they were just going crazy all the time. Um, obviously, the fans behind the plate were also going crazy all the time. But the people in the outfield are unbelievable. They're smacking on the wall, <laughs> reaching over, smacking on the wall all throughout. Fly ball goes back there. They're screaming their heads off at the outfielder, trying to get them to drop it. Uh, it was unbelievable. Um, but it was kind of crazy. They started, you know, their purple gold chant. You know anything about that? Yeah. yeah. So their home plate goes purple, and then their outfield goes gold. And they did it for three straight innings against us. It was unbelievable. It was from the second to the fifth inning. They're yelling purple, gold. And it's just deafening uh, the whole game. Uh, no matter what was happening. It, yeah, it was I, I've seen it, and and it, they even said, let us get a chance to go to Omaha and to where we can fit it, because, you know, obviously they can only fit so many people in that stadium. They said, where we can fit yeah. our entire fan base, and as somebody who goes to Omaha each year, I'm not an ECU fan, but I'm here for it. Like, I'm here for <laughs> electric environments and, and fans getting into it, so – um, if BCU happens to make it this year, hey, I, I'm down to see it. But I got I got to make it to the jungle at some point. But oh, you know that season ends. Obviously, get to the next season. Um, first team All Big Ten. You had an eight and three record, two point nine three ERA, one hundred and twenty three strikeouts to twenty eight walks. I mean, you're absolutely electric. Um, you know, you always find most players, really good players like yourself, have their biggest jump from freshman to sophomore season and I think it speaks to exactly what you were talking about right the the time that you put in in the offseason workouts um and and that was actually going to be my question and you answered for it I was going to ask what was the what helps you make the biggest jump um and it was clearly that and then obviously experience right you know the yeah, more times you tow the rubber yeah absolutely um it was also in high school I threw four seams um and then when I got to college I switched to majority two seams so just navigating like how exactly I'm supposed to attack with a two seam versus a four seam was very different for me. My freshman year, um, I was kind of just getting my feet wet with that. And sometimes I would just get way too elevated in the zone because that's usually what I used to do with my four seam. Um, but then, you know, now with throwing a lot more two seam sinkers um, became a huge, you know, huge change in how I use my fastball um, and how that relates to my breaking pitches. So um, that was a huge changeover for me, too. I had to go through my freshman year and finally kind of understood what that all looks like turning over to my sophomore year. And I kind of knew what works, what doesn't um, with the two seam. So, yeah, something I've never asked my own uh, host of this show who I watch play baseball. But, you know, Daniel, were you a two seam, four seam, everything? I mean, what are we working with, DB? Four seam, cut fastball. I just know he tried to have me catch it one time. Like he was throwing in the backyard, and I was like, I didn't play baseball, so I was like, he was throwing too hard for me. I was like, I ain't got no gear. Let's not do this again. Like <laughs> I, I value my life, my eyesight, and everything in between. I mean, I I I would throw a two seamer, um, but I was strictly good cut fastball, breaking ball guy. And so I, I, I had guys in the outfield that could catch everything. So I was just like, just hit hit the ball in the air. <laughs> they could hit it on the ground too. It wouldn't matter. Defense is pretty stick, but no, the Jason spoke about that earlier, man. Get a lot of ground balls, just get the outs. It's not always necessarily about the K's, just, just get it in play. But uh you guys end up hosting a regional this time around. And actually, uh our last guest, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier was uh Adam Cesare from Wake Forest. Uh, you know, uh Y'all sent him packing, man. Sent Wake Forest packing. Uh, they talked about it being in College Park. Um, 
ultimately you fell to Yukon, but you know, what was the environment? We talk about the environment, you know, in the jungle, but what was it like at college park, you know, for you, um, that first experience there? Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, I'd never seen anything like it in college park and you know, we, we had had some pretty decent fan turnouts, um, come the end of the year when people found out we were pretty good and we were getting close to potentially being a host. Um, but it was nothing like it was in the regional, um, you know, we put in, our, our place was not suited to host really. Um, I don't know if you guys have read anything about that, but um, we don't have, I don't think we had like half of the requirements that are supposed to have the host. I'll put it to you like this. Adam is, is a very polite person and did not say anything negatively, but he gave us the look when we asked about college park and he was like, it was okay. And it, <laughs> that was, that was what he gave us. <laughs> yeah, no, um, our facilities are making huge improvements here. Um, but, but definitely, uh, last year I was a little bit lacking in that, in that department at first, but we put in some stands in the outfield, um, just in left center field, uh, randomly and, uh, to try and get to the, to the, you know, population count that we could get for games that is required for an NCAA regional um, so we were packing, we were packing it out completely. Tickets were getting sold out as soon as they were getting put up. Um, it was an unbelievable environment. Um, people were going crazy all the time. Um, and it was really cool to see. Um, it was really cool to see the energy um around College Park and and it was kind of like a whole whole event, to be honest. There were a lot of people that were just hanging around the campus all throughout the different days and stuff like that. Um, so it was pretty cool. Um, usually at a time where students are are off the campus. Um, kind of brought a buzz and brought everything back to life a little bit, which was, which was pretty cool, pretty cool experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, they really, really showed out that fan experience was unbelievable. Um, it felt like the stadium was shaking at all times, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, I don't know if you know a lot about our field, but we're kind of in like a little bowl. Mm. Um, so we kind of have hills around us and stuff like that. So all the sound just kind of gets trapped inside. So even when there's a thousand people there, it's pretty loud if they get going mm. and when there was 3,500 people there and it was coming sounds coming from both sides it was rattling everything in the stadium um nice. so it was really really cool um well, what you do of, is you go what you do is you go get this this national championship because you know I, the closest stadium to me adam is swayze that's why i went and saw you play against Ole miss and you saw that they were doing upgrades when you were playing there you saw that i mean Season's yeah. already going. They had all these renovations going and everything, and that's what happens when you win a national championship. So, Jason, absolutely. go out there and get it done this year, man, <laughs> and then y'all can get everything you need. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, let's get into this season, man. You know, I talk about it. Uh, I go there, you know, I pick Ole Miss to win the series, and uh, shout out to my guy, Alex Day, uh, fellow LSU fan like me, but uh, writes for College Baseball Central, and he says to me, he said – you better watch out for Jason Savickle. And anyway, he wasn't lying. I obviously get to watch you. Um, you come into the defending champs house and absolutely shove. So talk to me about what that's like, um, because I know that's got to feel good. Obviously, you've had a lot of great performances, but you go into an SEC environment on the road, defending champs on Friday night, and you go out there and you're electric, man. What was that like? Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, you know, obviously getting in an SEC environment anytime is is an awesome experience. Um, but to be able to perform well there was pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I, you've been there. Ole Miss can – the fans can get pretty chirpy at times, and it's really awesome. Uh, it was a really cool environment. Um, but what I really appreciated a lot from that that crowd was 
Um, you know, they were going at it at me during the game. Um, but the next two days, I had people coming up to me left and right down the left field line, stuff like that, saying, hey, like, you pitched an awesome game. It was really, really cool to watch. You know, even though I, I just beat their team, um, you know, they were really kind and respectful and and wishing me well and all that stuff, which was it was really, really awesome the next two days to kind of get that that fan support that was, that's was cool. that's mississippi in a nutshell for you because mississippi state's the same way they'll they'll yell at y'all game and then they'll feed you from the lounge i don't know if you've heard about it. they'll give you trays of food oh miss yeah. the same way so they're it's, it's our way of southern hospitality we're gonna <laughs> yell at you during the game and then and then afterward but don't worry about it because my actual team lsu is coming to swayze in a few weeks and uh we, we're gonna make sure they don't like us i'm gonna tell you that right now, <laughs> right now. But, you know, for you this season, man, uh, the, you know, Maryland struggled a little bit, you know, 17, 11, uh, this is a team, you know, um, whether it's been the, you know, D1's rankings and NCAA or even mine and Daniel's, we do our own rankings, you know, I think I had y'all like number 14 to start the season, um, you know, so as a veteran leader on your team, you know, like, what are, what are you saying? What are the coaches saying? What are y'all talking about to get this thing turned around? Because, Obviously, with the talent level you got, this is a team that should um, not only be back in a regional, but obviously, like we're talking about, a team that has the expectations of Omaha. So, you know, what what are y'all saying? What are y'all doing to to get this thing turned around? Yeah, um, you know, for sure, obviously, didn't start the season the way that we liked. Um, you know, played some really tough competition at the beginning of the season. Uh, went on the road to USF, won a series there. Um, I think they just knocked off UCF this past week, which is another team we we played and won a series at. Um, you know, lost series at Ole Miss, had a tough weekend at the Cambria College Classic. Um, you know, we kind of just didn't start off the year on the right foot, had some guys kind of in and out of the lineup due to injuries and suspension and things like that. Um, so, you know, we were kind of just trying to get our feet wet with a new team, you know, a couple transfers and things like that that are working our way in. Um, so we kind of were just trying to find our identity through the first half of the year, really. Um, I think that was the huge thing. Um, you know, last year, obviously, we hit uh, unbelievable amount of home runs. Um, we were pretty much second behind Tennessee in like every offensive category ever. Um, and we just kind of had to adjust to losing the production of of Crystalline Bubba, who, you know, hit 23 or 24 home runs last year. Um, and guys like that that really contributed to our team. Um, we kind of had to find a new way around of how we're going to score. Uh, and how we're going to play offense together as a unit. Um, and I think that was kind of what was, was lacking at the beginning of the year um, that has started to really turn around, uh, especially as of late. Um, you know, obviously went to UCF, won a big series there. Offense played spectacular. We were scoring like nine runs a game there. Um, and then, you know, just went to Iowa this past weekend, a really good team. Um, guy who's throwing a hundred on the mound. Um, yeah. He got it. He got LSU. He got LSU. I'm familiar. <laughs> oh yeah. No. Um you know, that guy pitched lights out against us, and we were able to tag three on him in five innings um, and kind of push that game forward um, and win that one and win on Saturday as well and came close to a sweep. So, you know, I think I think we're really starting to turn it around and playing a lot better baseball, and it's really just been finding our identity through the first half of the season, especially offensively. And I think it's interesting. You brought up Tennessee in that. We had Tony Vitello on this show, and he talked about – 
each year, no matter, even if you have a lot of the same players, each team has to find their identity. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that you mentioned Tennessee and you say that and the, and the truth to that, because even if you have, you know, so many players that like you were talking about the transfers and the guys who did leave and uh, you know, not every team's the same and each team has to find themselves, like you said, but I mean, the taking the series against Iowa, obviously, like you said, that that's a good step in the right direction. And I feel like that's going to help y'all turn it around. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, I got a big one with Rutgers coming up as well. Um, and it's a big, big 10 series as we get through. Um, yeah, but I think, you know, we kind of really found what our offensive identity is. We play a little bit more small ball than we did last year. I don't think we bunted last year ever because uh, the ball was probably going to leave the yard about once an inning. So, um, but now we're playing a little bit more small ball, a little bit more of the hit the double to start the inning and move them over, get them in. Um, you know, trying to score one to two runs each inning. And then when we explode, we explode, um, you know, because it's going to happen at some point. Um, I think last year what we did a really good job of was never panicking throughout the game. Um, you know, our pitching last year kind of struggled, um, especially in the bullpen. We were we were a little bit struggling there to close out games. And uh, we just kept extending leads as we got in early in the game when our starters were in. Uh, when guys like Ryan Ramsey and Nick Dean were on the hill and 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 shoving for us, um, we were just extending leads, getting it to to seven run leads, eight run leads that just allowed us to win games. Um, and I think early on we kind of lacked that killer instinct a little bit too, of just like you know kind of coasting a little bit when we were up three or four, and then the game got pretty tight late, and we got to use a lot of really good arms um, that takes us out of a following game um, that we can't use those arms again. Um, so I think that was just the big thing is is just finding an offensive identity, um, finding our, our identity as a pitching staff too, especially with how the bullpen guys are used, um, you know, with a lot of new arms, and a lot of new faces in the bullpen. Um, it was kind of key to to move those things around. And then also with a freshman like Kyle McCoy on Sunday, who, uh, you know, started out the year kind of in the bullpen. We were trying to protect his arm a little bit, um, make sure he's not cast out by the end of the year. Um and then, you know, kind of phasing him into the weekend rotation too is, has kind of surged us forward a little bit too. So. Well, Jason, it seems like you guys are, are, are slowly getting back on track, getting your identity, trying to figure out um, what you need to do. But I mean, last weekend was a good start. You got another, yep. another big one this weekend, man. So uh, just keep plugging away, dude, but we're going to, before we let you run, we're gonna play a quick little game that we play with all our guests because we're gonna we need to find your identity here. Sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> all right, the game is called this or that. It's very simple. I give you two options. All you got to do is choose one option or the other. You okay. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Just be decisive and and just just pick one, whichever one speaks to you. All right. Sounds good. All right. First one. Would you rather be able to teleport? Or would you rather be able to use a time machine? Oh, teleport, 100%. We were actually talking about this when we were flying back from Iowa um, the other day because you can't fly from Iowa most of the time. You have to drive all the way to Chicago and then fly back to, to Baltimore to get here. So, yeah, teleport, 100%, to get rid of all of that travel. Nice. nice. Um, would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with your enemies or a horror movie with your friends? So rom-com with enemies, horror movie with friends. Horror movie with friends. <laughs> yeah, what do you got a favorite horror movie or scary movie or um 
I don't think so. I don't really watch a lot of scary movies, so I don't know. Jason, bro, we had Kenley Hawk, the star softball pitcher for Mississippi State on. And speaking of rom-com and horror movies, ask her what her favorite movie is. I'm expecting, you know, a rom-com. She comes out with The Conjuring, bro. I'm like, you like the scariest movie ever. That's your favorite movie? And I like, and I know her boyfriend who plays for Mississippi State. I told him, I told him, watch your back, dude. Like, <laughs> for real. Oh, man. Hi, right, Jason. Would you rather be the strongest person in the world or be able to fly? Be able to fly. Where would, like, if you were given the ability to fly right now, where would you go? Um, I'd go to Greece instantly. I'd go to Greece, travel down the coast. All these guests keep picking where you've been to, Daniel. Mm-mm. I wouldn't blame them. Greece is my favorite place. You didn't take me though. I know that. <laughs> Sorry. That's Sorry some jealousy here. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, he took his wife for its anniversary. I mean, what can I really say? Oh no. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. So, New York style pizza or hot dog? New York style pizza. I'm a New York guy. All right. Have you had a Chicago hot dog or a Chicago deep dish pizza? I've had a Chicago deep dish pizza, but I've not had a Chicago hot dog. What? All right. Well, let's stick with pizza. What What do you think is better, New York style or Chicago deep dish? New York style. Are you saying that because you're from New York? Don't lie to us, Jason. No, no. I'm, I'm saying that because I believe it. I'm not a big fan of the deep dish. I don't like the sauce on top. I don't like that. I don't know why. Where do you want the sauce to be? On the underneath bottom? underneath the cheese. I, I know I know I went to Chicago with Daniel um, for his actual uh, bachelor trip and we went to a place and when we had true deep dish, I'm a guy who like can devour a whole pizza by myself. man, I had two like squares of that and I was stuck. like that's <laughs> legit. Yeah, you can't like if, if you're ordering a whole pie of deep dish like you need a small army to eat it with you because you. <laughs> There's two things I know. You're going to get heartburn and, <laughs> and you're going to be full <laughs> all night and all day the next day. <laughs> all right, Jason, would you rather go to a bucket list concert or bucket list sporting event? Could only bucket pick one. Bucket list sporting event. All right, what what is your bucket list sporting event? A Yankees World Series Game 7. There it is. Okay. Maybe, maybe this year. Maybe this is the year. You know, it'd be yeah. cooler, Daniel, if one day he's pitching in a Game Seven World Series for the Yankees. That would be tight. be playing in his own bucket list event. There you go. I'd like that a lot better. Hey, go get it, man. Go eat. Yeah. Go get it. All <laughs> right. Would you rather be attacked by a grizzly bear or a tiger? And I'll, I'll tell you this. You're not going to survive either of the two. No. But if you had to pick one that you thought you might have the best chance of surviving, which one would it be? Uh, grizzly bear, definitely. I, I, uh, my aunt has a camp up in Old Forge, New York. Um, there's bears. Um, and I'm, I'm not that intimidated, to be honest, because they pretty much... Heck yeah. <laughs> I would like to see you face to face with a grizzly bear, and then you go. Oh, I'm not that intimidated. 
No, I mean, if it starts charging me, I'll get a lot more intimidated. But if it's just standing there, I'm good. It don't have to charge. Like it could be looking at me, and I'm like, all right, you're you're clearly inferior. Clearly oh, no. better. Those bear, those bears know who he is, DB. They're like, that's Doctor Sabacool, baby. We ain't <laughs> messing with him. No, you haven't been in the New York woods then, because there, there's bears, there's bears all over Old Forge, and, and you see them right there. They're they're right next to your camp all the time. So yeah, them yeah. Cud- cuddly little brown bears and black bears. Yeah. Daniel, I've only seen them at the zoo on the other side. So if I see one outside of a cage, I'm running for my life. No, I think, I think, <laughs> nope, not for me at all. But I think that's the right answer. We we've me and Daniel have have been in a complete agreement when we talk with guests. Um, we want nothing to do with a tiger, and one of the main reasons is they hunt at night, and we can't see, and yeah. we have nothing to do with that. Yeah, I also think. Tiger's a lot faster than a grizzly bear. When I'm absolutely, when I'm trying to get away, I, I want a little bit, a little bit longer to live. <laughs> Very true. All right, last question: Would you rather betray your best friend or go to jail for five years? Oh, now this betrayal is the ultimate betrayal. There's no coming back. There's there's no making amends. It's it's over for good, forever. Oh. That is, that's the toughest one by far. Um, Preston, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I'm going to go with the betrayal. I don't think I'd survive in jail. I'm a little too nerdy for jail. Um, I don't think I'd I'd quite make it through my five years. Daniel, that's going to be my favorite answer. He said the right answer, but I don't think I've... We've, <laughs> we've never heard anything close to somebody saying they're too nerdy for jail. That's, <laughs> hey, that's keeping it real. No, yeah. I'm just gonna be honest, man. I, I'm not set for that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh I've known Jim for a really long time. He's one of my best friends, but given the the question, you could change it to five minutes in jail, and I would still <laughs> that's still long yeah. enough to get shanked. You don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> I t- I tell all the guests like I, I'm not spending I'm not even going into the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> so jail ain't for me man no it's not all right jason man before you get out of here dude uh anything you want to plug or promote uh no um just go terps uh go yanks hopefully we have a good season and uh yeah i appreciate you guys having me on uh, it was a lot of fun chatting with you guys yeah it was a lot of fun we'll have to bring you back on after the season and and, and we'll recap it and and who knows? There might be a lot to talk about. For sure. Hopefully there is. So I'll help you out. Got a couple things to plug and promote for you. Uh, if you want to see what Jason's up to on a Wednesday night, maybe it maybe he's recording a podcast. Or maybe you want to see what he's up to on a Friday before the game. Maybe he's studying. Maybe he's playing video games. Who knows? Going over to Instagram at jsav16. Or if you want the latest and greatest in the updates on the Maryland Terrapin baseball team, go to at Terps Baseball. If you're free this weekend, if you're not free, you need to be free. Friday the 7th, you got Rutgers at 6.30. You can catch that game at Maryland or on the Big Ten uh, Plus Network. Saturday the 8th, you got Rutgers again. 3 o'clock this time, afternoon game. You can catch that on the Big Ten Network. But Sunday 
everybody's Sunday, the Lord's Day, Easter Day. It's a big day. Maryland, Rutgers, ESPNU, 12 o'clock. That's a big one, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, catch my guy Kyle McCoy on the mound. Uh, great up-and-coming freshman. You'll see him around college baseball for a couple more years. So that'll be cool. Absolutely. Well, Jason, man, we wish you guys the best. If there's anything we can do for you along the way, reach out to us, man. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. That's Jason Savakul, everybody. If you like hearing Jason's story or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, thumbs up, likes, love, hugs, all that good stuff. We'll take it all. Keep it all coming. And we'll, of course, be back next week. we got episode 25 coming at you where we've got Houston Cougar baseball star Drew Bianco joining us. This has been the Man Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We're out.